Monday. Good evening, one and all, and welcome inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill for the John Stigelmeyer Radio Show, celebrating the number one team in the FCS playoffs, the top-seeded yellow and blue. Riding a 10-game uh, win streak, the Jackrabbits enter the 24-team FCS playoffs. I'm Tyler Merriam. He's John Stigelmeyer. First and foremost, we want to make sure we're honest with everybody listening in. We are here at Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. The Jackrabbit women's basketball team is playing in the Bahamas. What a rough task that was for Scotty Quaz to have to make that trip for us. And so he's calling the game on some of our sister stations. The game is airing on all the televisions around us, so we're watching the game. Everybody here with us, our usual fan base, almost everybody, there's a few that actually went to the Bahamas that are usually here. Everybody else is here. They're watching, so the occasional uh, cheer you hear is not for us. The boos, I'm sure, are, <laughs> but the cheers are not for us. But so we've got the game going on in the background. There's, what, eight minutes left, and the Jackrabbit women leading top ten Louisville by six. So we'll be talking about that a little bit, too. But, uh, Coach? You're, you're okay if I give Aaron some coaching points, right? <laughs> well, you were the one who said that the hardest job that he and Eric Henderson have is picking out what color tie they're going to wear. And then, post-pandemic, that got wiped away because yeah, so, neither one of them wears tie anymore. Yeah, so I, I'm, I've been racking my brains and trying to figure out what do they think about during the game. So, man or zone, right? Aaron, yes. Aaron, and are you listening? Man or zone, right? And then there, how many out-of-bounds out plays are there? You only have five numbers in your hand, right? So there's only five. So. Well, you have two hands. You can. I've never seen anybody do this in basketball. You don't watch much basketball. You're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but I'm going to watch tonight. These guys. The, now, see, that's the attitude. That's the attitude. Okay. Let's... I love our basketball coaches. I love our basketball teams. And uh, I just got to take shots at those big, tall people when I get a chance. <laughs> so. I've never heard AJ described as big and tall before. Well, yeah, I think you might be taller than I am, so. Let's go. Let's get to the show. Well, we, I mean, we've dug a hole. I've dug a hole. I was going to say, don't throw me in with you, all right? I'm not riding shotgun on this one, my friend. Um, let's go back to 24 hours ago, a little more than that now. The entire team gets together at the Dykow Student Athlete, or excuse me, at uh, Dana J. Dykow Stadium. You're up in, in Club 71, and you're watching the selection show. And... These kids aren't dumb. They've been following social media just like everybody in this room has, everybody listening has, talking about, okay, SDSU, Sacramento State. The Hornets are undefeated. Uh, the Jackrabbits uh, played a tougher FBS team. They're each conference champions. They're likely the top two seeds. Is Sac State the one? Is SDSU the one? You felt pretty good. You're going to be the one or the two seed. You don't know for sure. So you're watching there, and you see it pop up on the board that you're the number one overall seed. Take me into the psyche and the reaction in that room. Well, I, I, uh, our guys cheered, but they weren't overly uh surprised right and well, I told him today we had a meeting team meeting today at five and I congratulated him again because of all the hard work that goes into something like that the season we've had the injuries all that stuff and then I told him a, really a mature approach and in, in, in response and and that's the type of team we have and so I I got caught off guard not that we we're the number one seed but I thought it came really early in the program and so I was kind of still mulling around and and all of a sudden there was cheering I looked up and I saw us on the screen so uh, fun deal it's fun to be part of really fun fun to be interviewed on ESPN and and give some light to South Dakota State and South Dakota State football so you have earned this right and you've done it before I mean this is not your first time in the FCS playoffs this is not your first time being the number one seed 
but having gone through the uniqueness of last year and everything with the, the spring season, being the number one seed, but just the, the, the oddities, the uniqueness of all of that. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Then everything last year in the playoffs where you were uh, the road travelers and, and, and hitting almost every time zone along the way. To this, just this whirlwind year and a half, does it feel like it's all come full circle? It feels like the two experiences you just talked about, the spring season, and we had a huge break in there because of COVID, and then we won the last week, and the next day we're the number one seed. Then last year, stumbling a, a few times, and then all the travel. Mm-hmm. I think those two events impacted this this team in a huge way. Their focus, uh, their, their, their goal setting, uh, their leadership, and so uh, I think all those things impact uh, what, what we've experienced and, and the ability to be down 14 on the road in some tough environments and not, not uh, blink and just be able to come back. Uh, th- this is a special football team, and, and I'm blessed to be part of it. What did you think of their reaction to seeing they're the number one team? Our team? Yes. Very mature. Yeah, very mature. And, and uh, uh, again, it's not – it's not. We knew we were going to be one or two, and that sounds arrogant, but it, it, yeah. we knew we were going to be one or two. And so, uh, when it popped up, I think they just said, uh, "That's what we've. That's what we talked about six years ago. That's what we talked about four years ago." And uh, um, they're excited about the opportunity. And again, coming in, there were a majority of the prognosticators suggesting South Dakota State, Sacramento State would be the one and the two in some order, and Montana State and North Dakota State would be the three and the four. There were a few outliers that had somebody else as the four, but everybody felt pretty confident in that. And then the next question was, are the two Big Sky teams and the two Missouri Valley teams going to be paired up in the same half of the bracket where they in theory would meet in the semis, or will they be split up? We know there's a lot of things that have to happen to get to that point, but we also know that was what was on everybody else's mind. ESPN wanted to talk to you about it as well. So the pro, the con, did it matter where NDSU landed and where you landed as far as the sides of the bracket? Not really, no. Um, I think the committee uh, thought about what is the best tournament playoff scenario for any team, and it's not to face... Uh, a rival or a, a conference foe that you've already played or you've played before. And so I think that that became part of their decision. And I would credit Justin Sell harping on that years ago, that, that it's not about location, it's about who should play who in terms of what's been accomplished during the season. And we should acknowledge, too, that every conference has a representative in that selection committee. And the Missouri Valley representative is Matt Larson of North Dakota State, their athletic director. Now, he can't be privy when they're discussing where NDSU should be as a seed or whatnot. He has to excuse himself, just like any team's AD does if that particular university comes up. But he can certainly spread that message as well of, hey, look, the big sky should be separated out. We shouldn't have the geography that affects them negatively. It shouldn't happen in the Missouri Valley. That can't hurt in that aspect either. No, and I'm sure uh, Matt... uh, uh, and I, I respect Matt. He's very cordial and very professional when we play. And I, I'm guessing he sung our praises and he sung North Dakota State's praises. And, and uh, I don't know about UND, but they got in because <laughs> that's a huge rivalry also. And uh, so, yeah, it's a unique thing. I don't know if they picture that, but you, you get to do your, your, your sales pitch and then you leave when, when they seed your team. And so interesting deal. And you come in and see what happens. So, or you're, you're not necessarily your team, but the team from your conference. 
Well, we will take the opportunity here as we've got uh, another 52 minutes plus here on the show to go through the bracket, kind of line out how everything played out. We'll talk about what uh, last week was like, what this week will be like for Jackrabbit football, because again, SDSU will be home a week from Saturday, December the 3rd, 2 o'clock will be the kickoff. The Jacks will play either Delaware or St. Francis, either the Blue Hens or the Red Flash. So it'll be color-coded when they come to Brookings a week from Saturday. We're going to talk about all that coming up. But we do have one guest here this evening. Who do we have? Yeah, our strength coach, Matt Jacobs, is here. Uh, just uh, before he comes on, I just uh, he's done a phenomenal job in our program, both not only the design and the work ethic, but our guys' attitudes. Uh, not a lot of teams run to the weight room to lift, and he's got that kind of feeling in the, in the, in the, in the program. The South Dakota State women leading top 10 Louisville 52-47 with five minutes to play. Scotty's calling that on a sister station of ours, so we'll continue to follow that one, and we'll talk to Matt Jacobs if anybody's paying attention to us and not the game. When the John Stigelmeyer Radio Show continues, we are live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill for the John Stigelmeyer Radio Show. And today's show brought to you in part by First Bank and Trust. Let's be real. You earn, you save, you plan, and you protect. First Bank and Trust offers smart and savvy financial solutions for where you are now and where you want to go. First Bank and Trust, it's real banking, real easy, a member FDIC. The director of strength and conditioning for Jackrabbit football is with us. Stig hyped him up earlier. Now you get to see what the hype is all about, ladies and gentlemen. A round of applause for Matt Jacobs, everybody. Matt, how are you? I'm great, man. Fired up to be here. Well, and it's great because we get to watch the women's basketball team, who, by the way, has a nine-point lead with three minutes left over Louisville, who's ranked in the top ten, trying to go two and one out in the Bahamas. So we got that going on in the background. But uh, this means a lot to you being back here. Let's tell your yes. story a little bit for those that don't know where you're from. Yep, I'm originally from Parker, South Dakota. South Dakota, born and raised. Um, I spent uh, – I'm an alma mater at SDSU. I spent six years at South Dakota State. Uh, almost three years working in the athletic department and the strength and conditioning department, so working for Coach Stig back in the day. Um, shortly after I graduated, my wife and I got married and uh, basically started our coaching journey. So I won't tell you where I went to work first. <laughs> I'm going to kind of leave that one in my back pocket. Good decision here for um, this group, Matt. Uh, then then we basically we moved all around the country working, um, cutting my teeth in North Carolina, a lot of time in Illinois. Um, I had a great mentor working at Northern Illinois University and then went out on my own and was a director at Western Illinois for a few years. Um, then had the opportunity to go out east at Temple University. Um, but through all my stops, we were gone for 12 years after, after I left Brookings. Mm -hmm. um, every week I looked to see how the Jackrabbits <laughs> did uh, all the time. Um, my wife is from Brookings. My in-laws grew up here. Um, so it was always... I loved every place where I had. I worked with a lot of great people, um, but there was always something a little bit missing. So when I, when there was an opportunity to come back here, um, I, I knocked on every door. I, I stirred <laughs> over every rock, um, and I fought to get here. Um, just the, the, the quality of kid here, the type of kid that you get to coach here, the young man you get to help to develop here, um, the place that you want to live at. Um, not to mention, I still have a ton of family in the area. Uh, it was it, it checked every box of your coaching journey. You, you learn a lot when you're gone and doing different things. I loved my time coaching, um, but to get to do it at a place you love and with the people you love to do it with is a big deal for me and my family. 
Matt, it's easy for those of us who are wrapped up in it, who have been here for a long time, to sing the praises of a place like this. But for somebody who's been at a number of different schools and yet, like you said, scratches and claws and finds a way to come back, it's always interesting to hear that side of it. What is it about this place? You talked about why it's special to you, but I mean, what is it? Because you've been to these other universities. You've been to FBS, FCS. You've seen some different things. What is it about this place? Um, the biggest outlier is is the culture that Coach Stig has created. Okay. Um, just with the the young men that they recruit and develop and then the men that they turn into, it's infectious. It, it's to want to be a part of that, to want to wanna have some type of input in their development as well and, and maybe try to bring in something that the other coaches can't do because I, I offer a different perspective. I don't pick their playing time. I, I <laughs> the, the, you know the, So there, there's a lot of things that I can push them and help them that their position coach or their coordinator, their head coach can't do. And so I wanted to be able to, I wanted to do the best of my ability for South Dakota State and Coach Stig and the coaches and the players here. Now, one thing I think is interesting, we've talked a lot, I've asked Stig about it on a few different occasions. If you get the top eight seed at a bye, which you do, you have the multiple weeks off, how do you handle all this? And you and I were going to talk about this too. And one thing that we should discuss is the fact that this isn't something that a week ago you and Stig sat down and said, my goodness, there's going to be some extra time here. This was something that you guys discussed a while back of, okay, if this all plays out, if things go as the Jacks would like, there's going to be some extra time. So how do you handle this? Well, um, you and I talked previously, and we'll talk that when Coach and I were looking at the schedule, um, this summer, we only put together one plan for the end of the year. Um, well, there was no plan B. There was, well, what if this <laughs> happens? We did, we put together one plan of what we thought was going to happen, um, and then we never had to deviate from that plan. So to answer your question is we still continued to train heavy. Um, then you kind of throttle down as the season's going along, and basically I cut down my volume but I keep my intensity up. So there's still heavy weight on the bar. There's still heavy intent, but we don't do as many. Um, so once we got to this part where we're at now, everything gets throttled back up. Um, so we're, again, we're not going to practice as aggressively as we do it, um, mm -hmm. the, the last 12 weeks. Um, so we cranked it up in the weight room, and we'll crank it up with more general conditioning to kind of take care of our soft tissue, take care of our nervous system, making sure that we're ready to rock next week when we really do our prep for that second round game. Best part of your job is what? Coming to work every day. I mean, I, I don't have a job. You know, it's like you never work a yeah. day in your life when you do something like this. Um, to be able to work with, with the, the coaches I work with, the players that I work with, the relationships that you build, um, to try to mentor the young men and, and take input from them as, and learn from them as well is, is the best part of my day. It's awesome. You mentioned your wife previously, but I always want to give the opportunity to promote the family because they're yes. such an important part of things. Yes. Tell us about it. Uh, I mean, my wife is my best friend. Um, I couldn't do anything without her. She's my rock. She's she's uh, full of charisma, full of charm, um, and she's an angel as she does it. Uh, and then I have two kids. I have a six-year-old son who started kindergarten, and then I have a 10-month-year-old daughter. Uh, so it's it's uh, I'm a family man. They come first. Coach Stig emphasizes that our family comes first, and that's real. That's genuine. It's not just something he's, he says to coaches. He ma he makes a, a a concerted effort to make sure that our family's taken care of. So um, they come first on my depth chart, and I, you know the the they're my rock. Everything you know how it is. 
And that's awesome. Before I turn you loose, you were here as this thing was starting to grow. Now you've come back. You saw it from afar when it was the number one seed and went to Frisco. Now you've been a part of these record crowds and seeing where this program is at at the moment. How special is it for somebody who saw it on a, on a different level right. and was an alum and, and went through all of this? Yeah. Um, so, like, people don't know, like, the football offices used to be the trailer, mm -hmm. you know, out in the parking lot. Um, so to see the, the growth that the, not just the football program, but this school and, and athletics in general has done, um, it's, I, I couldn't be more thrilled to be a part of it um, and just to have a little bit of input on, on the growth of it as well. And we're still trying to get better. You know, yeah. it's, it's Coach Stig says after every game, can we play better? Well, we basically <laughs> asset, our, asset of ourselves every day with our prep. You know, so it's what can, what can we find to get better? Um, because make no mistake, I inherited a good team. <laughs> you know, the, the, it was a really, really uh, talented, mature, strong, physical team. Um, and it was it's my job to kind of figure out what's yeah. missing, you know. So hopefully we'll, we still are trying to figure that out. You know, so if we keep kind of checking those boxes of things we're not good at, getting rid of our weaknesses, we tend to be pretty good at football. Well, Matt, we're thrilled to have you back and to look forward to doing this uh, a lot more often in the years ahead. Absolutely. Matt Jacobs with us, strength and conditioning coach of the South Dakota State football program. The head coach of the Yellow and Blue rejoins us when the John Stigelmeyer radio show continues. We are live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and more of the John Stigelmeyer Radio Show. Be the third caller right now. You can win a $10 gift card here to Cubbies by calling 605-696-7978. Again, the third caller to win a $10 gift card to Cubbies at 605-696-7978. Cubbies, the place for road games. Again, we've had a bunch of people here, not only, well, I think they were occasionally listening to us. They were watching the women, who, by the way, just finished off beating top 10 Louisville behind Maya Sellens, 25 points. Indeed, applause is deserved for the Jackrabbit women going 2-1 and one at the Battle for Atlantis. Some very stiff competition down there. Uh, six of the eight teams came in ranked. The other two receiving, or one receiving votes. And uh, the, the Jackrabbits could go down there and win two games. So a heck of a performance by Aaron Johnston's squad. So this is the place to be if the Jacks are on the road. Cubby Sports Bar and Grill on Main Avenue in downtown Brookings. Tyler Merriam alongside the head coach of the Jacks, John Stigelmeyer, and it is the week of Thanksgiving. So it's a unique week. It always is for uh, the student athletes of the Jackrabbit football program. You hope that you don't play a game this week and you have a bye, which is how things play out. But uh, one of the things that's always very neat, I've had the privilege of going to it on a couple of occasions, this community, and we talk about the community, the university, the football program, how everything kind of ties together but every year, the community rallies together behind this football team and literally serves a Thanksgiving meal. And when you're serving a football team a Thanksgiving meal, that requires some undertaking. That's not throwing a bird in the oven. There's a lot of work that goes into this, and they do this every year. It's unbelievable. It, it's more than unbelievable. Uh, uh, credit to TJ Carlson, his wife Christy. They organize it. The community r uh, rises up. I mean, the, the, the coolest one is when you don't have a buy and you literally have Thanksgiving and people leave their families to, uh, to feed you on Thanksgiving Day. Our tradition is if we do have the buy, we want our guys to get home, so we will have uh, Thanksgiving tomorrow night. Our guys dress up. It's a, it's a, it's a tradition to honor the people. Uh, each table will talk about what they're thankful for. Justin will be there. Slate will be there, administrators. And so it's a, it's a, it's a neat time. and. Uh, we're a family, so it fits. It fits really well. 
Uh, it's a very cool event, and again, I think it's cool on both sides because not only do you have all these members of the community that come together, but to see how it genuinely affects and impacts the student-athletes and some of those juniors and seniors especially because they know how much goes into this. It's a whirlwind for the freshmen the first time they see it. But to see your captains, those guys that have been there five and six years, it really tugs at their heartstrings. Yeah, it does. And, and uh, again, uh, you ask everybody that's down here what's the, the, the best part of, the, of Brookings, and many times they talk about the sport, the people, and this is another example of, of it's proof uh, of the sport we have. Well, we'll talk in depth here about the FCS playoffs coming up. The Jacks are the number one overall seed, and that means they are matched up with one of the opening round games that will occur on Saturday. It will occur in the state of Delaware. You have Delaware, one of the at-large bids out of the CAA against the champion of the Northeast Conference in St. Francis of Pennsylvania. So they meet on Saturday. Whoever wins that game will come to Brookings a week from Saturday. We remind you that'll be a two Two o'clock kickoff on December the 3rd, a week from Saturday. And you always look for connections. You play teams from each of these conferences. Uh, St. Francis of Pennsylvania is a program that uh, really the Jacks don't have a lot of connections with, right? No, don't know much about them. Uh, we're watching some of their film right now and getting to know them on, on the field. They've had a good year, a really good year. They played some yep. good football. So. Started 0-2. Yep. And they've won their last night. Yep. Similar to our start, 0-1, you know, but uh, good football. And, uh, and, again, when you have the number one seed on your, your back, uh, you're going to get everybody's best shot. Now, on the flip side, Delaware, of course, there is a connection there. Uh, back in 2010, we actually went out there and played a game against Delaware, which seems light years ago. Uh, but uh, then looking – more recently, of course, Delaware was the team that came here. They were on a Cinderella run of sorts and reached the semifinals of the FCS playoffs in the spring of 2021. Came here, uh, things just didn't go their way. Quarterback got hurt. Your team was dominant that day and uh, ended up going to Frisco, Texas and winning in, in uh, impressive fashion in the semifinals. So there is uh, an immediate connection to Delaware in that regard. And then on top of it, for those that don't know, there is a very recent Jackrabbit who is a current student athlete at Delaware. Yeah, uh, in fact, uh, it was Ben Dinkle's birthday today, I think, is his birthday today. He was our punter for a number of years, uh, had to share the position with uh, Hunter Dustman last year, and just he wanted on his last year to have a place, a good program to play and have a place to be the guy, and so he transferred to Delaware. And so my wish is I get I get to give uh, Ben Dinkle a hug in the middle of the field uh, in a couple Saturdays because I know we're going to be playing. I don't know they're going to be playing, but what a great young man, and, and uh, he's loved by all our guys, one of those guys that's really special. So And he's having a good year as a punter. So. Well, again, the, uh, the way the playoffs work is the top eight seeds are put together by the committee. South Dakota State, the number one overall seed, the outright champions of the Missouri Valley. The Big Sky, not everybody plays everyone, which causes all sorts of complications when you're trying to figure out uh, you know, comparable schedules and seeds and all that. Sacramento State went undefeated with an FBS win. They earned the two seed. Montana State out of the Big Sky ends up being the number four seed. Uh, even though they went undefeated in the Big Sky, they did have an FBS loss. North Dakota State, it's two losses, a close loss at Arizona, close loss to SDSU in Fargo buys in the three seats. So the top four seeds, one SDSU, two Sacramento State, 
three North Dakota State and four Montana State. What that means is if the brackets hold, that would mean SDSU as the one would host the four seed Montana State in one semifinal and two seed Sacramento State would host three seed North Dakota State in the other. But that's a long, long way away because there's four other seeds, for instance, that want to have their say in this. Uh, Samford, who had a very impressive year out of the Southern Conference, and some thought they may sneak in as the number four seed with an electric offense. Uh, they uh, end up as the sixth seed, so they're seeded with North Dakota State in the 3-6 matchup. Another team some thought would sneak in to a four seed, the champion of the CAA, the conference that Delaware plays in. That's William and Mary, who rattled off an impressive win streak to end the year. And William and Mary's the five seed in this. Then you have Incarnate Word coming out to, uh, of the southern portion of the United States down in Texas who blistered Southern Illinois to open the year. They're putting up all sorts of remarkable offensive numbers. They throw more passing touchdowns and a half than Iowa has all year. Incarnate Ouch. Word is the number seven. Well, and but all joking aside, Iowa is one win away from the Big Ten West Division Championship. They are. They are. They so, play great defense. Yes. And, and, uh, Never throw the football. Well, uh, you know, you, you, that's your job as a coach. Correct. To figure out how to win football games, and they're doing it now. So. And Incarnate Word's job is to throw the football on every right. snap, and they right. do it very well. Right. They're the seventh seed. Then the eighth seed is a great story. It's Holy Cross out of the Patriot League who came here in the opening round of the spring 2021 playoffs. Matthew Sluka, who was a good quarterback then, has only gotten better. They threw a Hail Mary to beat Buffalo out of the FBS early in the year. They've run the table. They're undefeated. It's very atypical for a Patriot League team to even host a playoff game, yet alone to be a top-eight seed. And that's why I thought it was kind of interesting when the ESPN talent was sort of pushing against the committee about how all you do is reward these top conferences. And to their credit, they said, well, look, we, I mean, look at some of the seeds we gave out here. We gave a Patriot League team a top eight seed. I don't think we're just favoring a couple of leagues here, so there's a back and forth to that. But uh, the top eight seeds, again, one more time, South Dakota State the one, Sacramento State the two, North Dakota State the three, the four is Montana State, William & Mary the five, Samford six, Incarnate Word seven, and Holy Cross eight. You know, I think the interesting thing is, uh, again, the success North Dakota State's had. They have the worst record in that crew. There's undefeated teams. There's yeah. one-loss teams. And then they have two two losses. And not to take anything away from them, they're the number three seed. Uh, you know, that, and then we've been. We've not been seeded. We've been on the outside saying we're going to get to Frisco. We almost did it, you know, last fall. So there's going to be some good football played, some really good uh, teams playing. And, and there's always that question, the, 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 the last two in, the last two out. I really thought Youngstown from the Missouri Valley Football Conference would get in based on uh, what they had done. But, uh, you know, we had the conference call today, and their coach didn't say anything other than good luck, you three that are in. So. And we should talk about that. You mentioned that conference call. Um, every year, the Monday after the regular season closes, all the coaches get together uh, on a call because you've got to get ready for the all-conference balloting, which uh, those of us who cover the leagues, uh, we get to vote on that along with the coaching staff, etc., on who will be members of the All-Missouri Valley Football Conference team, the, the newcomer team, and, and on down the line. And so you guys all get together on a call, and, and it's interesting, I'm sure, but you're sort of politicking for your guys on this call, right? Yeah, uh, I, I think your body of work should, uh, you know, their body of work should sell it and so i'm i i don't do that i i really try to be uh you know brief and and all the stats are written up so they can see all that stuff so there are some guys that lobby a little bit more 
but I don't think, you know, we only have a third of the votes. There's two-thirds of the votes are outside the coaching staff, so I'm not sure how much that uh, that meeting does. Well, at least it uh, it makes sure you have all the guys right on the on the uh, poll. I mean, you have all the names in correctly. Yeah, well, so there's we, a we had one coach add two of them. Well, they, see, there you go. That's why you have those <laughs> yeah, things. Yes, yes. Uh, but but it's uh, – uh, are those calls ever contentious, or is it like what? It, what is it like? Is it just everybody says their thing, now, or does everybody go off script? Or well, f- for us, the last number of years, it's been very complimentary based on the, the type of football we play, and so on. I told the team this. I thought uh, this year was was kind of a, kind of a bummer, to be honest with you. Uh, guys were disappointed. Well, normally we get four, five, six yeah. teams in. We got three in. And so there are a lot of people that are used to playing some more football on that Zoom that aren't doing it. Two teams that were ranked in the top ten entering the year, and neither one ended up with a winning record. Talking about Missouri State and Southern Illinois, I don't point that out to mock them at all. It's just there were very high expectations on those campuses, and for whatever reason, it didn't work out. Well, and I told uh, Zach came in and asked about the call, and and, uh, it was kind of interesting. There were a couple coaches that had their guys listed, and they really kind of took them off the ballot saying, we weren't a good enough football team for this guy to get this award. That's a stand-up move. Yeah, it is. It is. And, and, uh, and, and again, they're all good coaches. They really are. They're all good people, too. And so uh, I want those guys in the playoffs because I, I think it adds to our credibility as a conference. But uh, it was a different feel this time. Well, we've got lots more to talk about here. We'll discuss the rest of the playoff field. We have a few questions already, some unique ones as well. I'm excited to get to some of these questions. If you have any here, bring them on up to the uh, table here at Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. We'll ask them of the head coach as we continue our look at the 2014 FCS playoffs. The John Stigelmeyer Radio Show continues in just a moment. We are live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. Stay tuned. This is the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back to Cubby Sports Bar and Grill and this, the John Stigelmeyer Radio Show as the South Dakota State football team, the number one overall seed in the 24-team FCS playoffs. The Jackrabbits will host either Delaware or St. Francis a week from Saturday, December the 3rd, 2 o'clock Central Time. If you are a season ticket holder, you have until next Tuesday to renew your tickets. You should have some information in your inbox. You can certainly call the ticket office or reach out to Jordan and Zach and that amazing crew to make sure you're locked in. But there's plenty of room for everybody. JackRibbitTickets.com, 688-5422, and you can be a part of uh, all the action at Data J. Dical Stadium for the opening round uh, matchup, the second round matchup, I should say, and hopefully a lot more for the yellow and blue. Again, the Jacks, the number one seed, will face either Delaware or St. Francis. The grouping in that side of the bracket is the eight seed Holy Cross, who awaits a matchup between Fordham and New Hampshire. So that's the top left quadrant of the bracket. The bottom left quadrant features Eastern Kentucky and Gardner-Webb. The winner will go to the fifth seed, William and Mary. Then an interesting matchup. You have Weber State, North Dakota. The winner will go to Montana State. That's intriguing for a couple of reasons. Number one, Weber and Montana State played earlier this year. Weber State's long snapper got the yips, snapped four balls over his punter's head for safeties in a one-score game. Weber certainly could have won that game in Bozeman. It gave Montana State a conference championship at a top-four seed, cost Weber a seed. 
But then, if you are to believe what the North Dakota media is putting out and what the chair of the FCS playoff committee has suggested, North Dakota may have actually outbid Weber for the right to host, but in a uh, shucking of tradition, Weber went ahead and was given the ability to host, which is interesting. I'm not going to have you comment on that. You know nothing about it. It's not your business, Coach. But North Dakota gets in and faces a Weber team that could have certainly been a top eight seed. That's a very good football team, a program rich in tradition as well. That's That might be the most intriguing of the eight first-round matchups. Well, I, I think on that, the one, the teams you went over, I think Fordham is a really, really good football team. Not that they, they, they all are really. And then Weber State is a is a team that's right on the edge of being a seed, and uh, they played well enough to be a seed. So, Again, they'll have a chip on their shoulder, and that the bid thing, if that's the case, I, I will comment on it, comment on it, because we've we've that that shouldn't be the case. I mean, uh, whoever has the highest bid should get it, because that's why you have the bids. Let's go to the top right quadrant of the bracket. Montana will host Southeast Missouri State, and ESPN2 has elected to televise that game, which means it will be played at 8 o'clock Mountain Time in Missoula, Montana, on Thanksgiving Saturday. I haven't looked at the temperatures, but I imagine it will be below 75 degrees in Missoula. <laughs> well, here, co- comment. I-, I promise you this: there'll be a sellout crowd. There. Oh yeah, because they, they, them, they and Montana State love their football, and we saw that last year in the yeah. semifinal. That was cold, and they were there. No, and even uh, what was it? Eastern Washington went up there and played them in the quarterfinals last year, I believe, and it was a Friday night game, and there was a great turnout in Missoula as well. Yeah, there's a, that's a that's a. Football in those two programs is a big deal. So, again, the winner of that game goes to Fargo. The sixth seed, Samford, waits on southeastern Louisiana and Idaho. The Vandals, such a unique story because they went up. They, they had a lot of success as a Division One AA program at the time, went up to the FBS, then have gone back down to the FCS, had really struggled. And then Jason Eck, your former offensive coordinator, leaves, takes over Idaho. They go 7-4. and four. Two of those losses were to FBS teams, and they get in the playoffs for the first time in more than two decades. And uh, they'll have southeastern Louisiana down at Strawberry Stadium, so they get to make a long trek. If they win, they'll take on Samford. But knowing Jason Eck, he's totally fine with the trips as long as there's another game to be played. No, no, that's a great accomplishment, what he's done with the a whole new staff, you know, pl- new players. Uh, transfers, all that stuff. To do that in, in one year is a real credit to Jason and his staff, and I'm happy for them, and I hope they have success. If I could throw a side note in, we talk about your former offensive coordinator, Jason Eck, leaving to take over a program, in this case Idaho, and lead them to the playoffs. Your co-defensive coordinator of the previous few years, Brian Bergstrom, left to take over Winona State and led them into the Division II playoffs as well. Yeah, and, and uh, they're both really good coaches, and, and I hope they maybe got a little bit from our program, the things we do, the way we run the program. But they, they're destined to have success. They're talented. Uh, they, they do everything right. And so looking forward to watching those guys from a distance the years to come. Just to complete the bracket, since we're talking about it, in the bottom right quadrant, you have Furman and Elon meeting on Saturday. The winner takes on the number seven seed, Incarnate Word. And then you have Richmond and Davidson paired up. The winner of that one takes on the two seed, Sacramento State. I'm really interested in Troy Taylor's program because you look, they did not play in the spring season. Okay, so you have to wipe that away. In 2019, they were a heck of a team, a top eight seed. They'd earned the right to be the seed and then lost at home. 
Then last year in the fall, had a tremendous year, earned the right to be a top eight seed and host, and then South Dakota State goes in there and beats them on Chris Oladokun's unbelievable Emmy award-winning act at the end of that game that we all remember so well. And here is Sacramento State again as a top eight seed, in this case top two, had a crowd of close to 20,000 when they beat uh, their uh, cross-city rival UC Davis last Saturday to clinch the championship of the Big Sky co-champion with Montana State at a top two seed. Troy Taylor's done an unbelievable job with that program. They just need that one playoff win to get over the hump, and you feel like, boy, if they do, there may be no looking back. He's built a tremendous program out there on the West Coast. Yeah, a phenomenal job, and you were there. I mean, they don't have great facilities. Uh, you know, they're, they're a small fish in a big, big city, yep. so what he's done is really, really special, and um, – uh, I got to meet him for the first time last year and very interested in picking his brain, and he's an interesting guy, a good guy. So, well, so certainly uh, Sacramento State uh, being a top-two seed, a team to keep an eye on. Everything goes through Sacramento on that side of the bracket. When the John Stigelmeyer Radio Show wraps up in just a moment, some questions for the coach, and we'll put a uh, bow on the regular season success of the yellow and blue. That's coming up in just a moment. We are live from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield. Welcome back inside Cubby Sports Bar and Grill. The John Stigelmeyer Radio Show continues. The top-rated team by the FCS Playoff Selection Committee, the Jackrabbits, one of the eight teams to be seated and earn an opening round by, and they will take on the winner of St. Francis of Pennsylvania and Delaware. So you have Joe Biden against Charles Schwab, maybe the two most famous alums, Charles Schwab of St. Francis. You know who Charles Schwab is. Uh, is he a financial guy? Yes, was. Yep. And then Joe Biden, obviously, the President of the United States. But uh, in case those who weren't aware, just want to make sure we're clear on that, all right? But uh, nevertheless, who do we have to claim? Adam Vinatieri? Um, no, Briggs. Hilton Briggs. Briggs. Yeah. I would say he's the most famous. I would agree. You know, I there's a agree. few others that are in the mix, but I would choose Hilton Briggs. You're a graduate, right? Barely. Um <laughs> Hey, I've often said my undergrad's the best decade of my life. So nevertheless, we've got some questions here for the head coach. Uh, we want to get these out of the way first. Uh, let's see. Uh, and we had some youngsters turn in some questions. I like it. I love so I'm it. excited to hear some it. of these. What is the hardest part of being a coach? I think uh, long hours and time away from loved ones. Um, yeah, I think, I think uh, our sport has gotten better with dead periods and things like that, but uh, I remember going to watch day after Christmas, going to watch guys play basketball in the Div Division Two days, you know, trying to get an evaluation, trying to get in their home, uh, you know, and so you can't do that now because of dead period. So I think you have to have a family that is unbelievably understanding if this is going to work. Thank you to AJ for that question. I'm pretty sure it's not the same AJ that just beat Louisville. I don't think he's listening. He texted me about sure some questions did. about. Uh, I'm sure he did. I said, throw it to the tall girl. And he said, which one? Um, how uh, Logan asked this. How amazing is it that you have gotten over 12 chances for Frisco? I'm sure he means 12 consecutive playoff appearances. I mean, most don't even get three chances. I like that. Uh, what we should do is be uh, uh, appreciative and uh, feel blessed. And, uh, again, I'm part of a really special football program, and the expectation is to be there and uh, we're, we've, we've been able to do that a number of years in a row. All right, Anastasia has two questions. What is the guy's elf on the shelf's name? 
Do the guys have an elf on the shelf? I don't think so, but okay. I will ask the team tonight after practice, so I will get that answer. Who, who, is there a number on there I can call? Uh, there is not, but we know where Anastasia is. Yeah, okay. She'll come up and talk to us okay. later. Right. She has a, she has a very interesting second question. I want to preface this. This is Anastasia asking this question. How do we get NDSU on the naughty list? <laughs> That's the question of the year right there. I don't, you know, I, I think... Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to comment on that one. Good so. decision. <laughs> Discretion sometimes is the I, I better feeling, part of valor. I was feeling like the Grinch right there, and I thought, nah, don't do it. So That's funny. Um, My son saw a picture. My wife showed um, showed Joe a picture of you out hunting the other day. There's a picture made on social media. And Joe said you looked like Santa Claus because you let the beard grow, and it wasn't dark in nature. Um, who has the best pregame ritual? Uh, you know, I don't know their pregame rituals. Uh, I, I watch them through my window because they go out early. Uh, they love to go out in their short sleeves when it's cold and, and that type of deal. But I, I really don't know that. Uh, a lot of them listen to their own music. Uh, uh, you know, they got the, the earphones in and, and stuff. So I will research that also and do some uh, do some studying of the guys. Well, we try to make you do some homework at the end of this show. So that's the goal. And well, I've got we practice, so I'll, I'll get to it after practice. So. I want to highlight a, a few things. And by the way, those that are just tuning in, some have been listening to the women's game, and now they're catching up with us. Tyler Miriam, John Stigelmeyer with the delay in that women's game. You're joining us here for about four minutes here for the John Stigelmeyer radio show. The SDSU defense is the number one rush defense in the FCS at the end of the regular season. Number two in yards allowed, number three in scoring defense. And I've said this so many times, over 20 different starters on that defense to perform that well. It's one thing when you have a cohesive unit and all 11 start every game to have so many guys in and out and to put up those numbers week in, week out in one of the best conferences in the FCS. Uh, it truly is remarkable. Well, and then that uh, we have a new coordinator calling the defenses, designing the defense. We have a new safeties coach in Jesse Bobbitt, who uh, that's the quarterback, really, that, that and the linebackers, they and the linebackers. So I think it's really special. But, I, again, I think give credit to a lot of people, but I think our, we believe in our players, and our players know we believe in them. And so when their number is called, they don't feel like they can't do it, and we know they can do it. And so, again, proof of, of that philosophy. And this is something that gets talked about a lot in football. If you want to simplify it down to some of the simplest of terms, it's – Staying on the field on third down on offense, getting off the field on third down on defense. If you succeed in both of those, you're probably going to win a lot of football games. You're top 20 in the nation in third down conversion on offense, 16th overall, third in the Valley. Third down defense, you're 18th overall, first in the Valley. So you're staying on the field on offense and getting off the field on defense. Yeah, uh, you know, that's the, you know, we, we do that. We In practice, we set up third downs either against ourselves, each other, or you, you have the scouts in our, our center. Uh, is looking at the sticks. Every play we have tells the offense the down distance. Our sandbackers looking at the sticks. So we try to practice those situations and that mentality. You know, another thing I think is really good is we're number one in red zone defense. We're number one in red zone offense. So when it counts, we score. And when it's supposed to count for the other team, they don't score as often as the other teams. The other big stat, too, is you are plus 12 in turnover margins. So you're among the best in the country in forcing them and the best in the country in not committing them. And that's similar to that third down stat, when you don't force them. And how many times have you come up with big plays in the red zone? Go back to early in the USD game. 
The pick in the end zone up in Fargo. The pick in the end zone against North Dakota. I mean, time and again, you have forced turnovers with your backs against the wall. Yeah, again, our guys uh, go out on the field. Uh, you know, our defense specific, specifically you're talking about, and they, they, they don't hang their head. They don't waste a second. They go out and try to make a play that impacts the football game, and those are great examples. All right, give us an idea here now. What is the schedule like here for the rest of the week for Jackrabbit football? We're practicing as we speak. We'll practice tomorrow uh, early afternoon. We'll have the Chris or not the Christmas, but Thanksgiving meal. We'll practice uh, Wednesday morning, release them by 10, 10.30, uh, they'll be back Sunday. We're going to do a voluntary lift run uh, to get rid of some of the turkey, and then we'll have a, a, a game week scenario uh, moving forward. We're asking them to be active when they're at home and so on. And, and, uh, and so, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm so excited that our, our guys get to go home for Thanksgiving because I love family time, and, and I know they do too. As a staff, are you digging in a whole lot to both of these teams or kind of just a little bit and wait until you know for sure on Saturday who you play? No, we're going to have preliminary game plans, not in-depth, but preliminary game plans on both teams. Uh, the, the, the last time we said there's no way this team is going to beat the other one, we didn't plan on it, and they beat them, so we're, we're leaving nothing to chance in, uh, in, prepar in preparation. All right, Coach. Well, we'll chat here next Monday about how that game turns out between St. Francis and Delaware and look ahead to your opponents uh, seven days from now. Look forward to it. He is the head coach, John Stigelmeyer. I'm Tyler Miriam. Thanks for joining us. Congratulations to the SDSU women's basketball team, highest-ranked team they've beaten in program history as well. We'll see you back here next Monday at 6 o'clock for another John Stigelmeyer radio show. For the coach, I'm Tyler Miriam. Thanks for joining us from Cubby Sports Bar and Grill on the Jackrabbit Sports Network from Learfield.